Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to another Arse Blog Arsecast. It's been a mad week for Arsenal. There's lots to talk about, and we'll be doing that with the man from East Lower. Some usual bits and pieces on the way. I'll give you more info about that in just a second. Stay tuned. Welcome to a brand new Arsecast. It has been a bit of a strange old week for the club and for the fans, and there has been only one issue, one talking point, uh, which has divided opinion, set fan against fan, uh, brought about a whole new world of name-calling. And we will be addressing that issue in full on this podcast. Why did Nicholas Bentner change from pink boots to green boots? Fair enough, fair enough. I can take a hint. Anyway, we'll be talking uh, about Abue uh, with the man from East Lower in a little few minutes' time. As well as that, the man in the bar will be here. He's got a player history. We've got Sylvester. Uh, and we've got your chance to win yourself a Savile Rogue scarf. 100% pure cashmere, pure, pure fashion around your neck your warmth too we'll give you the winner of last week's competition and give you another chance to get one in time for christmas we hope so between the last arse cast and this arse cast there has been a lot going on um overlooked amongst everything else is the fact that we actually beat wigan one nil uh two league wins in a row is pretty good for us this season and i think um yeah we've all kind of not necessarily lost sight of that, but, you know, there's been more interesting things to talk about or more uh, contentious things to talk about, you should say. Uh, the game itself, we should have probably won by two or three or four. And had we done that, I don't think we'd have been talking about anything other than uh, a decent win, uh, irrespective of how uh, somebody played or didn't play on the day. We had the chances, particularly in the second half, and Percy had a couple of good ones. Uh, Adi Bayor had a header or two, and, and we didn't take our chances. And it's no wonder this season that the crowd got nervous. We've seen this team throw away a two-goal lead at home against Spurs in injury time. So for us to concede one against Wigan and drop two more points is not even close to being beyond the realms of imagination. It was a distinct possibility, the way we've been playing. So it's little wonder the crowd were nervous and anxious and, and fretful and, and on edge, I think is a good way to, to put it. So their frustration was, I, I suppose, exacerbated by seeing somebody play as badly as Ebue did. And when you're in a situation like that, when you're that nervous... I'm not sure that the natural human reaction is positive, especially on the back of five league defeats already in a season. 
it's difficult to be a cheerleader when you're expecting the worst. That's what I think. And I think Abue was probably a victim of circumstance more than anything else. I'm not saying that he didn't contribute to what happened. And I'll give you some further thoughts on this in a few minutes' time after I've spoken to the man from East Lower because it has been, um, I suppose, one of the most uh, debatable issues or debated issues that I can remember because, uh, yeah, everybody's got a really strong opinion on it one way or the other. And I think that was shown this week on the blogs and some of the comments that were on the blogs and some of the emails and all kinds of stuff that I received. So it, it's worth talking about. We're talking about. So um, we'll come back. I'll come back to that in a couple of minutes' time. But uh, to go through what happened on uh, Saturday against Wigan a bit more and to talk about where things are at the moment in light of the Porto game and ahead of the Middlesbrough game, uh, we'll welcome the man from East Lower. Hello there. Hi there. Uh, okay, we have to start with Abue. Um, I know a lot has been said about this uh, during the week, and it's been a hugely divisive issue uh, amongst Arsenal fans. You were there at the game. Um, what was it like to experience it firsthand? It is true he, he, that the crowd got on his back pretty pretty early on, but, but then almost the very first thing he did was uh, you know it was he was either kicking it out of touch or uh, there, there was one hilarious bit when he kind of spooned it up and, and, and then gave away a free kick and, and he was just shocking from the beginning but they did start getting on his back straight away and um, it was odd I don't think I've ever seen the sort of groundswell just building up and uh, in the end he was a broken man wasn't he? Do you think that that really had an impact on him in the way that the crowd like you say got on his back early do you think that really shattered his confidence or should we expect more from a professional footballer that even if the crowd are on their back a little bit that they should be able to cope with that? I think a bit of both. I think it definitely affected him. I think there's an, there's no two ways about it. I mean, he he was getting he was getting uh, booing, booing was just left, right, and centre towards the end, and and I think it definitely affected him. There's no doubt about it. Should he should he have you know de- should should he have done better? And maybe he should, but I I do think it affected him. Having said that, you know he did bring it on himself a bit by. He looked like a days He looked like he wasn't caring. If he'd hurtled around like a banshee, then it would have been all right. But um, but he didn't, did he? No, um, and then we came to this this moment, the the, the rock bottom, uh, uh, when he tackled Colo Toure in in midfield and and just passed the ball straight to a Wigan player in midfield. Um, it's sort of hilarious in in concept, but when you when you see it happening in front of you, it's just not funny, is it? And it's no wonder that fans get frustrated. No, it is no wonder, and it was. It was almost comical. It, it just beggared belief. It was the sort of icing on the cake of a shambolic performance. And, um, you know, and people, they didn't know, I don't think they knew how to react because when it, one of the first errors he did, when it literally just come on, people just burst out laughing as if, oh, God, here's a buoy again. And um, so it all sort of built up from there. And it was unbelievable tackling Toure, passing to a, a Wigan player. You know, that was, I don't really think he could have stayed on after that. And, and he didn't. Mm. I mean, some people have said maybe Arsene Wenger was wrong to take him off because uh, of the reception that he got when he came off. His number came up. Uh, there were loud cheers uh, because people wanted to get him off the pitch, but because people obviously were nervous, they were afraid of him doing something catastrophic that might cost us uh, the three points. Uh, but he he really didn't have any choice of manager. He had completely and utterly lost the plot at that stage. Ebue, I mean. Yeah, he he totally had, and I mean I, I don't think Wenger was wrong to bring him off at all. I think where he was wrong was to bring him on in the first place. He um, 
I, I, he didn't look like he was in the right frame of mind. He perhaps he wasn't fit, and then to stick him on the left midfield where he's he's many things in Bouet, but he's not a left midfielder, and uh, so I don't think that helped either. And it was um, yeah, it was a strange one all round, really. He got that reception when he came off, and it sparked a huge amount of debate for two or three days afterwards. Um, there are those that will say that it is wrong, uh, 100%, under any circumstances, to boo your own player or to give your own player that kind of, uh, that kind of reception, that kind of jeering that a boo I got. There will be others that would say, well, look, uh, I pay my money to go to the games. If I see a guy that isn't putting in 100% effort or isn't trying, then I'm within my rights to express how I feel about his performance. And there really aren't too many ways fans can um, express themselves in games. Uh, and it was rather a, a sort of a spontaneous outburst. When his number came up, there was this cheering. Um, how, do you, how do you stand? I know that booing doesn't do him any good, and it probably doesn't do anybody any good, but... Uh, you can't ignore the fact that there were reasons behind it. No, no, you can't. I felt sorry for him. I really did when he when he was taken off, uh, and I, and I think the reaction became a bit personal and it was over the top. So I think on that level, I think it was too much. But you know, play, uh, fans have booed players ever since I've been going to Arsenal, but m- maybe not to that extent. But it was I don't know. Was, I think it's been building up. It was a combination of things with a boo. I think he has played some good games this season, some shockers. And it's been like that for two years. I mean, he had that great run at right back and it doesn't seem to have kind of progressed from there. So maybe there was a bit of a build-up uh, on that level. Then probably a build-up also in the fact that we've looked really, really shaky against teams that we shouldn't be shaky against. And uh, and the fans, they do see a player who didn't look like he was putting the effort in and he gets paid a lot of money. We're, you know, a, lo- a lot of fans uh, pay 900 to £1,500 a year for their season ticket. And quite honestly, the, you, the least you should expect is it's hard it's hard graft. And it didn't look like it was putting in. Whether that's because he was injured, I don't know. But that's the perception on the field. So I find it hard to go over the top and blame you know, the Arsenal fans who booed him. But I, but I do feel it went too far. Like you say, the reasons behind the booing, or the jeering rather, is because the team has underperformed this season. Or maybe the team, uh, maybe the reason is that the team is actually performing to its ability, which is the most worrying thing because we saw in midweek against Porto, uh, a lot of players were missing. It was a good opportunity for some of the players that are on the fringes of the first team uh, to give us a good performance, to show us what they're made of. And it was worrying in the sense that uh, it just really, really didn't click at all. And you have to start um, asking questions about the quality of, of some of the squad members. Well, we've been asking that question. You have and, and I have done too. And not mm-hmm. not just us, pretty much everybody, to be honest, um, for this whole season. Uh, we, we've had highs and we've had massive lows. They don't seem, the confidence doesn't seem to come back. Um, the errors don't seem to be... Um, ceasing, but with with yesterday's game, it was it, it was a dead rubber. We've had quite a few matches like that at the end of a Champions League group stage where it's been a bit meaningless and we've played a bit crap. But but you would have thought these players, some of whom are probably fighting for their Arsenal careers. You know, you, you're looking at the Songs and the Bentners and and, and some players like that who 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 aren't, I mean, surely can't be guaranteed <laughs> forever to to kind of go straight to the first team. And you'd have thought maybe they put in a better performance than that, but. But they didn't. So that was the thing I found really strange about last night. Is it looked like, again, where where was the sort of kind of the commitment and and the uh, and the desire in some of those players? I don't think it was there. It is a worry, isn't it? Because we talk about we hear about Arsenal having the 
the second highest wage bill, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Is I mean, do you think it's a case that they've got too much too soon that they're having they're not having to work as hard as as guys uh, maybe ten, fifteen years ago to make their way in the game to make the money that they wanted to make? They're not having to work as hard. It doesn't really make any difference whether they put in the effort or not. They've already got this kind of. Um, they're, they're, they've established themselves as names simply because they're playing in the Arsenal first team uh, at an age when maybe they wouldn't have even five years ago. There's no way half of these guys would have got anywhere near it. So is there that level of complacency, do you think? I'm not so sure. I mean, I don't suppose having a, a pots of cash at a young age helps either, but I'm not so sure. If you look, you know, I, I think to become a sort of um, professional footballer at the very, very top level, you've got to have drive and ambition anyway. Otherwise, you're never going to make it. So... And that shouldn't shouldn't go away. So I, I don't know where the money's the, the the main thing there. I I I really don't know. What, maybe it's a collective malaise that, that Arsenal got. Uh, well, it certainly feels that way. Um, but yeah, I, I just think I think some of these players perhaps are uh, just not ready. You know, and 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 they're not they're not old enough and mature enough to sort of pick themselves up by their bootstraps. And uh, and, and quite honestly, some of the players I think they really. I'm not saying we should flog them because they might come good, but some of them need a break out of the first team. Uh, and that's that's the way I, I kind of feel at the moment. All right. Uh, before we can do anything about adding to the squad in, in January, we've got a, a, a busy sort of a fixture list. Uh, we've got Liverpool at home. We've got Villa away, Portsmouth at home. And uh, tomorrow uh, we go away to Middlesbrough, which hasn't exactly been a happy hunting ground in, in recent seasons. Someone on the Arsbog forum said that uh, if we want to beat Liverpool, we've got to lose tomorrow <laughs> against Moore. <laughs> Well, why not make it around six in the league? You know, uh, I, just, I I think the last time I was on the Arsecast with you, it was I think it was straight after the Man U game, and we went on to uh, to lose uh, that time to was it Man City? I, I can't remember, but um, and I think we said exactly the same thing. We said, "What's going to happen?" We said, oh, "I don't know. We could either turn up and play blinding football, or we could, you know, completely sink without trace." And we sank without trace. And I look at the Borough game, and I think exactly the same. I think we could we could. We could win two or three nil, or we could lose two nil. I, I, I couldn't tell you. I don't know. Yeah, it's a difficult one to call, isn't it? Um, <laughs> we will, of course, have uh, we'll have some players back. There's a great article on the Arsenal website. It says uh, the headline is "You never know what you'll get from Borough." <laughs> Someone's no, had an irony. Maybe, maybe Borough was the wrong subject line there. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's hard to see otherwise. Confident that we could get three points. Well, I mean, here we we just don't know, do we? I think the left-hand side of me is confident and, and the right-hand side of me hasn't got a clue. I honestly don't know. I mean, I, if you look at it, we, we've won two league games in a row. If we can get a third league win and then head head into the Liverpool game, well, it's, I don't know, it's a modicum of form, isn't it? Mm. Then then we could be... I think at this stage, we just got to head to the January transfer window um, in contention and take it from there. It's a sad thing to say, but it's probably the truth. And keep our fingers crossed that he actually spends some money. Okay, man. Well, that's, that, yeah, that's another thing altogether, isn't it? Yeah. yeah it sure is. All right. Listen, thanks very much. We'll uh, chat to you again soon. Will do. Cheers. No worries. Cheers to the man from East Lower. Now, before we move on, my final thoughts uh, on Ibue, because uh, I've been called all kinds of names this week because I didn't come out and condemn the fans that booed or jeered Ibue. My thinking on this, right, is that I am in no position to call any group of Arsenal fans a disgrace or a shambles or or anything else. All I ever do on my blog is I give you my opinion on Arsenal and what we do and who we buy and who we play and how we play them, etc. That is all I do and all I have ever done and all I ever will do. So I will not 
under any circumstances, speak for what might be considered a group of Arsenal fans or Arsenal fans in general. I will not ever do that because it is the height of arrogance, I think. So, my opinion on the Abue thing was that uh, it's not nice to hear it. I felt sorry for him going off. I did feel sorry for him. But you have to look at why the crowd reacted in that way. If you say it is wrong to boo players, 100%, you should never, ever boo your own players. Uh, it's counterproductive, etc., etc. That is absolutely fine. In the cold light of day, that makes perfect sense. At the end of a football game, when passions are high and inflamed and people are nervous and anxious and they're worried and they're, they're angry at someone like Abue for the performance that he put in, you cannot take away human nature from people's reaction. You just can't do it. And to just blanket say that you can't boo your own players is doing no... Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Nobody any good at all if you ignore why it happened. You don't look at the circumstances. If you don't try and understand uh, the reasons why so many fans in that stadium chose to cheer Ibue's number when it came up, they were happy to see him go off. It's just kind of wiping it under the carpet if you don't discuss it. You can't simply write off all those people as cunts or bad fans or a disgrace. And I think... Um, personally speaking, I think the reaction from from some fans was was over the top. It was hysterical. You read about some people saying they were ashamed to be Arsenal fans. I mean, what the fuck is that about? It wasn't nice. It wasn't particularly edifying in any way. But why would you be ashamed to be an Arsenal fan over something like that? A guy who played badly who has played badly for a long time and has upset a lot of fans with his antics, he got some stick from the crowd. It's not the end of the world. And I think, given the circumstances of the season, and not just the Wigan game, the season, I think that Ibuwe became um, somebody through whom the crowd could make a point to Arsene Wenger. 
Maybe that's not the best way of making a point, but it's very, there aren't too many other ways they can do it. So I'm not saying uh, that it it's right to boo players. All I'm saying is that you have to look at why it happened. And if you don't look at why it happened, if you bury your head in the sand and just completely say it's wrong, no matter what the circumstances, then I don't think, I don't think you're doing yourself uh, any favors at all. You're not doing uh, the players, uh, you're not doing the manager, and you're not doing the rest of the fans any favors. Of course, in an ideal world, something like this wouldn't happen, and we wouldn't have to discuss it, and we wouldn't have to be falling out or calling each other names, and that's what's happened this week. And it's been kind of sad, really, I think, that so many Arsenal fans have been having a go at each other. But I think, again, that's possibly summing up the frustrations of the season. I just don't know that it was it was that much of a big deal and maybe if it gets a message home to Abue or to any other player that if you don't put the work in you don't put the effort in if you play like that then you're going to have a hard time to keep the crowd on side as I said in the cold light of day it's easy it's easy to say you don't boo your own players it's really easy to say it and maybe it will be better if it never ever happened but people are people, you know. Uh, the reaction that they have, I think I said it on the blog, that when you see a guy tackle his own player in midfield and then pass the ball directly to the opponent who can then go towards your goal in the last couple of minutes of a game in which you're hanging on, the natural reaction is not a positive one. It is not, oh, better look next time, Abu. Hey, come on, old chap, you know. It's not. It's like, for fuck's sake, what are you doing? What are you on about? So the reaction that he got from the crowd uh, was generated by circumstances, by his performance, by the team's performance, by the team's performance over the season, by the manager's team selections, by the players that he's bought or the players that he hasn't bought. And the standards that Arsene Wenger has set at Arsenal Football Club have been very, very high. He's the one that set those standards, and when they slip, then you can't expect people not to react to that. That's all. That's what I think. And maybe I'll get a whole load more emails calling me a cunt, but frankly, I don't care. It's just what I think. So there you go. Anyway, the man in the bar has got a player history. Hello there, Arkin Arse Blogger. Time for another old player history. What, huh? Got your Christmas shopping done? No? Nah, me neither. God, I've such a lot to do. I really do. What with me having all those extended family coming round for dinner and everything, and actually, that's kind, kind of a lie. I don't have any family left at all. You're all gone. I'm so terribly, terribly alone. Uh, but moving on, I suppose all the news this week... Well, there's only one talking point, isn't there, after what happened? Thomas Rosicki is out until March. What the bloody hell's going on with that fella at all? He only got a bit of a hamstring injury. Eduardo got his leg wrapped around his neck, practically, and he'll be back sooner. And all the while, Rosicki gets paid. Uh, it's a footballer's life, let me tell you. I remember a young Polish fella working in here behind the bar. Very good lad he was. And he took in a stray dog and he caught distemper and meningitis off the dog. Oh, he was in an awful state. Frothing at the mouth. He was off work for a week. 
And when he came back, only one side of his face worked. So when he smiled, he looked like a yin and yang kind of a thing. He didn't get paid for the time off. Should have been a footballer though, I suppose. Anyway, this week for the player history, I was trying to think of something a little bit different. What could set one player aside from any other player? And then it came to me. Vowels. No, not, not, not vowels. Vowels. Who's the only footballer ever to have played for Arsenal without a vowel in his first name? That's right, it's Reese Wilmot. Now, he wasn't the only player at Arsenal not to have a vowel in his first name. There was one other too. Many years ago, a young lad called Murphy from Erlingford in County Kilkenny. He made the bench back in the 1970s. Never got on though and went back to Ireland and became a pig farmer. Killed himself this week, I hear. Poor old... Ah, life was hard for some people. So Reese Wilmot was a goalkeeper, you know. He joined Arsenal in 1977 as a schoolboy, turning professional in 1980. He was the understudy to Pat Jennings and John Lukic and, and also to George Wood, which is a fairly good indication of his quality. He didn't really play too many games, made his debut against Aston Villa on March 28, 1986. And in the 86-87 season, he had a few games in while Lukic was out, but he was never able to break into the first team. He left Arsenal to join Plymouth Argyle and also played for Grimsby Town, Crystal Palace and Turkey United. Nowadays, Reese Wilmot draws caricatures of people at weddings for a living. He's only been punched twice. It's true. The Man in the Bar will return on next week's Arscast with another player history. Uh, he mentioned Thomas Rosicki. As we heard, he's going to be out until March at the earliest. And the longer it goes, the more and more you have to think that it's going to be just impossible, even if he does come back, to ever reach the level that we, we had sort of hoped he would be at. Um... It seems fairly clear that they don't really know how to fix what's wrong with him. Because uh, initially it was September, then October, then Christmas, now March. And I don't think anybody will be surprised if in March they told us it was going to be the start of next season or another four months or five months or six months. And while I do feel sorry for Rosicki, I really do because I was playing football the other night and... uh, uh, about 15 minutes into the game, we got a penalty, and I took the penalty, and I scored the penalty, and then uh, as I took it, uh, as I hit the ball, my calf muscle went, and I had to come off and spend the rest of the game standing on the sidelines, which is hugely frustrating, even at the very, very basic level I play football at. And it is very, very basic, let me assure you of that. So to not be able to play must be awful. It must be truly, truly awful on the other hand it's counterbalanced by all the money that you're earning but um I- i'm not sure that's the issue for Rosicki. however from our point of view we have to look i think a-, a little bit beyond him now and given the fact that we are desperately light uh, on the flanks we've got nasri we've got walcott but beyond that we don't really have any kind of backup diaby is not a winger abue is not a winger Carlos Vela is not a winger. Robin Van Persie isn't. None of those are are, um, wide midfield players. So we have to maybe think, uh, as much as we need a central midfielder and as much as we need at least one central defender, 
and at least one central midfielder, but we we could possibly need a wide midfielder as well. If Rosicki's not back till March, when you're out for that long, it's going to take, I don't know how long to, to get back into form and match fitness and get your sharpness back and your touch and all that kind of stuff. So it's sad, I think, what's happened to Rosicki. And to be honest, I really would be surprised if we ever saw him um, performing at the top level for us again, which is which is sad. But I think we have to put sentiment to one side and look at the realities of the situation and think about what's best for the team. Now, moving swiftly on, in our Savile Road competition last week, I asked you, who scored the second goal in Arsenal's 2-0 win over Wigan uh, at the Grove last season. It was, of course, Thomas Rosicki. And the random number generator did its thing. Uh, the winner of the scarf is, and I hope I'm pronouncing this right, it's Matt Zakiri. Matt Zakiri, well done to you. You've got yourself a Savile Rogue scarf. Uh, I'll pass on your details. Actually, I'll be in touch to get more details from you because there's no address. I'll be in touch to get your address and uh, we'll get Savile Rogue to send out the scarf to you. Very kindly, Savile Rogue have given us another scarf to give away. Arsenal beat Middlesbrough 7-0 uh, just a few seasons ago. Thierry Henry scored a hat-trick in that particular game. The other scorers were Perez, Gilberto, Alexander Kleb, and who else? That's six goals. Henri scored the hat-trick. Gilberto, Perez, Kleb, and who else? Uh, answers to arsecast at arseblog.com. That is arsecast at arseblog.com. And the answer will be on next week's show. Hello, everyone. It's me again, Sylvester. I know that after a few months at the club, everybody is saying... Why did Manchester United let somebody like Sylvester go to Arsenal, one of their great rivals? Well, I have to say the answer is simple. It's because I have an enormous big arse and very little footballing ability. Ah, Zutalo. So looking ahead to the weekend's game against Middlesbrough, it hasn't been the funnest place for us to go to in the last few years at the Riverside. We've had some big wins there in the past, uh, some 4 nils and 4-1s and 5-1s and 6-1s and all kinds. Uh, but in 2005-2006, we got beaten 2-1. We drew 1-1 in 2006-2007. Uh, and last season, we only got one point out of six from Middlesbrough. Uh, they drew with us at home and then beat us 2-1, which was our first defeat of the season. So, uh, yeah, we've got to put that behind us uh, and make sure that we get three points. Nothing less than three points uh, is required, of course. Some team news. Uh, well, Colo Toure is still out. Uh, Samir Nasri is out. Eduardo out. He's uh, penciled in for a reserve game on the 16th of December, and it'll be good to have him back because it'll give a bit of pressure, I suppose, on someone like Bentner 
but we need someone like Eduardo back, who's a quality finisher and a quality player, and the sooner we get him back, uh, the better our squad becomes, the better our team becomes. Uh, players who miss the game against uh, Porto in midweek should be back. Gail Clichy, Cesc Fabregas, Robin Van Persie, Emmanuel Adibayor, and uh, Bakary Sanya should be back, although there are still doubts over him because he's got some kind of flu or virus or something like that. So, uh, fingers crossed, I don't know what could happen. You just don't know with this Arsenal team. We could play really, really well. We could do what we did to Blackburn, for example. Or we could just do what we did against Manchester City. You just do not know from one week to the next how this Arsenal team is going to perform. So I'm keeping my fingers crossed that we do all right. We uh, get three points out of the game. I don't care how we do it. I said it last week. It doesn't really matter to me how we get the three points once we get them. We did that last week, and fingers crossed we can do that again this weekend. So until next week's Arscast, take it easy. I'll talk to you all next week on the blog and, of course, on next week's show. Bye. might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.